welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And if you uh, are new to CyberTalk Radio and you just happened to hop in your car right now, you joined us uh, mid-episode. Uh, we're on for an hour a week uh, here talking about cybersecurity uh, in the San Antonio ecosystem and beyond. Uh, we have uh, cover a mix of topics from uh, public policy, business, and economic development, which we're talking about this week, uh, on through to uh, extra super nerdy cyber things like what is a drop test and why would you not want to fail one. Uh, so you can uh, check out our archives on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. If you'd love to see a still photo of my, my guests and uh, I, you can check out our YouTube channel. So our guest this week is Amanda Keemer. She's the Vice President of Cybersecurity at the San Antonio Chamber and the Director of Cybersecurity San Antonio. Uh, and uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper into some of the uh, areas and activities going on in our 300-plus person uh cyber security council that's part of our chamber here in the san antonio area that's us that's yes. us so it's been a busy year so again we have five core focus areas each of those core focus focus areas has three objectives that we try to accomplish in the calendar year and so it's exciting we've got some work done we've got some work ahead of us but one thing that was really exciting to work on this year uh, was in may so the President of the United States issued an executive order on America's cybersecurity workforce. So exactly tied to what you speak about often, Cyber Patriot, how we prepare this workforce for the jobs that are here. Not jobs that are coming, jobs that are here that are going unfilled. Um, and so the President released an executive order. And so with our structure, we saw an opportunity to really pitch ourselves as a community. And so this is something pretty unique. Um, I'll be honest and say I don't think folks know what to do with us because we do pitch as a community, not necessarily as one vendor, not necessarily as one person or organization, but as a whole community. And so within about a week or two, we drafted a letter. We sent it around to our 350 member plus council. We got more than 60 signatures, logos, um, signature blocks. Uh, from folks around the community, everybody from our mayor to our county judge to economic development partners, university president, um, and sent that out to the president, mailed a hard copy uh, as well as via email. And so what that letter said was, thank you for this executive order. We understand the urgency. Uh, let us talk to you about San Antonio, who we are, why we're number two for cyber. How can we help implement this executive order? Because we understand it's very important. Um, and then three, UTSA's CIAS, which runs a technical platform for Cyber Patriot, which runs a technical platform for NCCDC. So again, middle school and high school level, collegiate level, Panoply, which is an international competition. How can we leverage this expertise to get this competition off the ground? One of the pieces within the executive order was a president's uh, Cyber Cup. Uh, and that is actually open for registration now. Uh, unfortunately, we were not asked to be part of implementing the plan. Uh, so while cybersecurity and IT policy is nonpartisan, it's also highly competitive. And so there are other universities that are involved. Uh, unfortunately, UTSA CIS is not. So we look forward to being involved in future years. Um, but it was still exciting to see how this community totally galvanized around this, understood that this EO is important. How can we serve our nation? How can we contribute and strengthen our cybersecurity posture? 
I thought that was great. That's just unheard of. I've never seen any other community act like that. Yeah. And you spent time in D.C. on the receiving end of all these different mm-hmm. things from different communities and seeing all of that at the national level before coming back here. Yep. So my previous role in D.C. was in the previous administration uh, working at the White House. So my boss was a federal chief information officer. So we oversaw federal and IT, federal cyber and IT policy across the federal government. So all the 24 CFO Act agencies from DHS, Commerce, Treasury, VA, uh, also got to meet the micro and small agencies, which was super exciting, too. So there's a whole council for them as well. Uh, and if you're wondering, the Marine Mammal Commission is the smallest agency in the federal government. That's that's a, an interesting factoid there. Marine Mammal <laughs> Institute, smallest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all have the same needs, right? They all yeah. got to protect their systems, employees, data uh, with wildly varied budgets. And so it's it's fascinating work. Yeah, if you wanted to learn a little bit more about how some of that stuff at the federal uh, level works, uh, check out uh, our CyberTalk Radio archives. I've had uh, Congressman Will Hurd on, uh, who went into depth about some of the committee work um, that he participates in uh, as a member of Congress on the cybersecurity side. And I think one of only uh, four folks uh, in uh, Congress right now with a a computer science and kind of cybersecurity degree and background uh, from college. So... Uh, it's, it's one uh, where uh, out there, um, this is where we need more folks running for office that uh, understand the challenges on the cybersecurity side of things. It's, I mean, one of the questions he, he'd asked in a committee was if they were talking to um, one of the chief information officers for the Department of Homeland Security, I believe. Uh, turns out there's 16 chief information officers inside the Department of Homeland Security. And my definition of the word chief means it seems like it's hard to have 16 chiefs, but um, and this is one of the things where they, they created that department, I guess, twenty almost 20 years ago now, out of a conglomeration of a whole bunch of separate departments. And those separate departments didn't actually eliminate each of their own chiefs. So um, some challenges in rolling out and accountability and the rest of these things, just like any other large organization has. The federal government is just a, a, a like any other large enterprise with lots of departments, teams, programs, and um, each of them have their own separate uh, data needs. So. And many of them have overlapping needs. Mm-hmm. So, Amanda, I'm going to jump into one. Of, we were talking a little bit talent workforce development, but there's a, this this women to women leader to leader program mm-hmm. uh, that's going on, and I want to make sure we, we talk about that one because uh, if if we're not actually getting um, more folks like you um, and your gender involved in cybersecurity and the rest of this, uh, we're definitely not going to fill the shortage, especially um, with more females graduating from college now than males, and and the rest of those trends if we're not um, being inclusive on the cybersecurity side of things we're certainly not going to to have the workforce that we we need over the long run right no i agree and what it comes down to the easiest thing you can say is if you're not including half the population in the solution what are you doing right you're just missing innovation you're missing ideas you're missing energy and expertise that could be harnessed for national security purposes uh, which should trump all other you know issues but So women to women, leader to leader. And so what that is, is we're connecting top military and C-suite women leaders to deepen relationships through engagement, while also creating opportunities to help emerging leaders of the future. So what does that mean? So we have executive women from industry, business, nonprofits in the same room as women in the military who are running different military missions here in town. And so just getting folks in a room talking about fails that you've had in the workplace, uh, personal obstacles that you're facing, uh, 
learning how to connect with each other in authentic ways. A lot of folks see the word networking or cocktail reception or something, some kind of event like that, and just get totally intimidated, don't know what to do, and they don't want to be fake. Um, And so there's also recognition that military culture is different too, right? There's different ways that you navigate those uh, chain of command uh, processes and protocols. And so we're trying to break down those barriers a little bit and honestly keep some of that talent here when folks transition out of the military, when they retire, when they just don't want to renew for another term uh, of duty, tour of duty, we want them to stay here, particularly if they're in cyber, IT, leadership, anything. Um, And I think sometimes we get caught up at least on the cyber side and the technical work, but we need folks in operations, we need lawyers, we need marketers, we need privacy analysts, um, all those folks, HR, uh, to work in these companies as well. And so there's this great partnership with the chamber and other organizations where we bring women together, kind of break those barriers down and provide space for folks to get to know each other, which is also, again, pretty unique um, and something that we share with other communities to help them emulate. So I'll, I'll, I'll quote, I, I think, an article that you and, and Deanne Cuellar, and we had uh, Deanne on the program. She's uh, working uh, with a senior-related uh, technology service now called OATS to, to help senior citizens uh, get uh, Internet savvy and cyber uh, safe. So you can uh, check out Deanne's uh, past episode on Cyber Talk Radio on our archives uh, or your favorite podcasting service. But so out of this article about um, it was published on Startup San Antonio, uh, and here, this, this stat says that um, minorities only make up 26% of the cyber workforce, and if we go to, to female minorities, only 17% of those are, are female. So that sounds like a really tiny number. It's pretty tiny. Yeah. It's pretty tiny. I will say, though, they're, I'm just a person who likes to see the silver lining, right? So those yes. are pretty scary stats. It's very lonely. But uh, I think there are a lot of folks out there that just aren't visible. And so one of my favorite organizations is called High Tech, so Hispanic IT Executive Council. And so they have summits on the East Coast and the West Coast often. Sometimes they come to Texas as well. And you see folks from Cisco, JCPenney, um, different organizations around the country that are led by Latinos. Um, Verizon is one as well where they have either Hispanic CISOs or Hispanic CIOs. And so for us here in San Antonio, being a majority minority city, being Cyber City USA, number two for cyber in the nation, we're really trying to make sure that we are elevating um, and highlighting women particularly uh, who are in cybersecurity to be role models, but also to show, you know, we're here, we're in leadership positions, uh, we feel a responsibility, I would say probably most of the folks on the list feel a responsibility to also bring others up with us um, because it can be lonely, right? If you don't have a lot of folks that look like you in the room uh, or if you have to make decisions and you want to bounce ideas off of somebody, uh, you want to find people that you can trust that you have common ground with. And so I'm really thankful to Iris for publishing the post. Um, But yes, the stats are a little scary and hopefully we can change that through programs like Cyber Patriot through first uh, robotics is huge too. A lot of girls uh, and boys, uh, young ages, minority or not, are drawn to robotics. They want to build, they want to break things, they want to rebuild, they just want to create. And I think that same energy is in cybersecurity. And I think as long as we harness that, 
uh, we'll be on the right track. Um, obstacles that come in the way, though, are digital infrastructure, right? So yeah. broadband access. If we don't have access to internet at home, coupled with uh, not having role models that are in tech and IT and cyber that can tell us about the pathways, um, I think that's where you have folks fall off. Uh, you just don't have that example to follow. And nobody wants to stand out, right, as a weirdo in school. But I no. like to say nerds win, right? So we got to tell kids that nerds win. And at the end of the day, you want to be a nerd. Uh, and there's a space for you. So I think that's part of the work that we're trying to do is just highlight each other. Yeah, we, um, we have to have these conversations. And, and we've, we've got to just continue to uh, to push this. I mean, Latinos are the, the fastest growing minority in the, the U.S. And uh, if we're not changing this, we're not helping them have the opportunity in one of the fastest growing industries. But we're also as one of the fastest growing um, industries or skill needs because really cybersecurity spans every industry. Uh, we're we're not going to solve for the the things that that we need as a a community right. and in um, the list, in a country right and I think in the list too what we wanted to do is show they're not all explicitly technical roles so you have women who are recruiting for tech companies right having that perspective is important because you're looking for folks that might otherwise be overlooked yeah um, like community colleges versus four year you might not look for that if that's not where you came from or you're not familiar with that population. Uh, bilingual skills, multicultural skills, cultural competency, the fact that you can work with diverse audiences. None of these things necessarily have a certification behind them, but they're skills that you need in your workforce. Uh, we have folks that are uh, teachers at the K-12 level. We have folks that are um, professors. Uh, one of the professors actually, or directors at St. Phillips is now the Dean of Applied Science and Technology at St. Phillips, and she's Latina. And so having folks in those roles matter too. So not just hitting a keyboard, you know, defending networks, but also in management roles, um, helping students succeed, building economic development strategies, all of those places are, are important for us uh, to be. Yeah, San Antonio, I feel like that we're ahead of the curve in many of these different areas. And I, I would uh, continue to try to help highlight this at a national level um, and, and make other folks aware that you can do this, this can happen. And um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think of um, uh, Dr. Nicole Beebe over at, at University of Texas San Antonio and her impact there in the cybersecurity, um, just a whole career domain uh, nationally and, and the, what is actually studied at the university level for cybersecurity policy, risk management, and many things else as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, we could go on and on. But, mm -hmm. I mean, you were able to list 35 uh, Latinas in, in San Antonio mm -hmm. that are making a, a big impact in solving these problems and and doing great things in their own careers yeah absolutely to be and, those examples yes and i'll be honest i know probably all of them personally uh but i had to that dig is for your them job. <laughs> and i had to dig for them and i think that's unfortunate to see you know all male panels still panels with no diversity uh diversity of background not just minority status or women or you know adding just a face to have it but there are some people with pretty deep technical expertise that have come out of the military that have come out of federal government running their own businesses. I think we have three or four CEOs on the list that are local. They've invested, they've started their businesses here, they hire folks, they have interns. Um, that's just huge for us to highlight. And I think, again, we always lead, like you said, when it comes to innovating at the K-12 level, higher ed level, and I think San Antonio has the potential to lead at the executive level. And I think that's super exciting for us to see. And it's Hispanic Heritage Month, in case listeners did not know that. So we go from September 15th to October 15th 
which is unusual for that's, months. That, yeah, that's a that's its own. It's it's a month long. It just yes. happens to actually be part of two months. Right, right, and that's to encompass uh, several different Independence Days. So a few are on September fifteenth. So that's why we start on that day. Uh, so it's good. It's a good time to talk about it. You know, get the word out there, see what your workforce looks like, and then reach out. You know, a lot of our institutions are Hispanic serving institutions. Uh, we have HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities in Texas. I think all these schools are just untapped. There's untapped potential there. And I think if anybody's out there listening and you have the power to employ folks from those institutions, give them a chance. You know, they might not have a 4.0 or a 3.5. They might not have tons of internships. I didn't. No. had one internship in college and that was it. <laughs> But, you know, folks are pretty hungry for experience uh, and just looking for, you know, open door, open hand. Yeah. No, I mean, I think if, if we start to look at, at more of the um, what creates a successful long term employee for companies, we're seeing organizations uh, that are used to have college degree requirements, four year degree requirements on roles where those uh, degree requirements are getting eliminated because it turns out that that four year degree was not actually a measure of success in the role. So. Um, companies are starting to to come around to that even at the very large national employer level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, I think that yes, one of the things uh, that Google's seen in some different studies is uh, actually participating in team sports um, as a youth is one of the things that uh, will determine success. Not even participating on a winning team, just participating in team sports. So uh, I'm going to go out and plug Cyber Patriot and that stuff again. And um, and create those opportunities. But as um, on the education side, uh, as well, uh, knocking down some of these uh, college affordability barriers, uh, we've got the Cyber P-Tech High School. So um, here in San Antonio with Sam Houston, uh, and as you, you were mentioning, the Alamo Colleges, uh, mm-hmm. and that uh, just brought that to mind for me. If you've, uh, as a parent out there, if you've not heard about this, um, it's a, a high school where uh, your son or daughter can go, and they uh, will likely finish high school with an associate's of a degree uh, so they'll be through two years of college when they finish high school with in an odd way this is a, a state um, perspective they, they could go to high school for six years they could go to high school even past the age of 18 and the state will continue paying for all of that just as uh, they pay for high school today so uh, check out um, the sam houston high school p-tech p-t-e-c-h and uh, you can learn more about that it's open to uh, anyone in the bear county area not just folks uh, in that school district uh, same thing with the the cast schools uh, c-a-s-t centers for appliance site applied science and technology um, those are uh, another uh, in-district charter uh, run by, actually, there's four of them now here in San Antonio, or maybe the fourth is coming online next year, um, and in different districts um, that are a mix of students from that district and from the, the greater Bear County area, um, and, and these are, are great to see um, the mixing of backgrounds, diversity, and everything, because it teaches um, students uh, to learn and develop and grow better than a uh, homogenized school will. And there's a whole bunch of research out there about that as well. So, Amanda, I know we're, we're um, actually sneaking up here on the end of the program. The second half went pretty quick. Uh, um, one I want to make sure that we talk about it enough. Uh, you just joined us. You're listening to Cyber Talk Radio on 1200 WAI. Uh, I'm joined by Amanda Keemer this week, the uh, Vice President uh, for Cybersecurity uh, at the San Antonio Chamber. So each year the Chamber does a San Antonio to D.C., S.A. to D.C. trip. Um, It's in February, uh, but folks should start signing up, getting organized, trying to help work on the agenda, I mean, even as soon as now, right? 
So registration is now live for SADDC 2020. So those dates are February 3rd through the 6th. And so that's an opportunity for leaders in the area to go with us to DC to call on our elected officials, to call on Congress in general. If there's folks that you wanna meet with outside the delegation that represents us, to meet with federal agencies, uh, the cyber group, we go to the White House, uh, we go up to Fort Meade. Uh, it's really to advocate for the most pressing concerns of our community. So if we don't have folks like y'all out there with us, um, your needs will go unsaid, right? Unless you're participating. And then in terms of our federal priorities, so across the different sectors, there's an opportunity to submit priorities through the chamber. And so if you're not a member of the chamber, I would encourage you to join. Uh, even nonprofits can join. You don't have to be a big business. Small businesses are welcome as well. And then we meet and we schedule monthly meetings. We discuss our federal priorities, see where it's going to go under which um, uh, department, if it's cybersecurity, economic development, education. And then it's pretty powerful. I think we're one of the largest, definitely the largest to come out of Texas. I don't know if we're the largest in the nation, but we have close to 200 people go together up to D.C. And so I think that's a huge opportunity for us to advocate for um, our priorities here. Yeah. What are some of the things that have come out of that trip in the, the past years to give folks that have not gone on one of these uh, uh, a, a taste? So definitely increasing awareness of policy discussions at the federal and executive level. I mean, we're in Texas, we're in the middle of the country, we're in San Antonio, folks are not necessarily thinking of us, uh, our expertise, our businesses as solutions to the government's most pressing problems. And so just familiarity around who you are as a business owner, who you are as an individual, as a leader, uh, that's a great outcome for us. I think one of the other outcomes, of course, is funding. And so every year we're fighting for federal funds uh, to come and be dedicated to our water sources, to be dedicated to transportation, uh, to look at cybersecurity and what we're doing in terms of election security, right? 2020 elections are around the corner. We need to be able to have a say in where that goes, um, paper versus non-paper. We have the census coming up in April 2020 redistricting conversations. So things that you might not think affect cybersecurity, you're thinking just technical. There are all these other things that affect us as well in our businesses and economic development. Um, and so those are huge things that come out of the trip. I would say too, um, there are grant opportunities. There could be business opportunities. Some of it we just don't know till we're there. Um, and many of the agencies with small business uh, programs will share information with us directly. And so you'll establish those relationships that you might not otherwise have had. Yeah, one of the things that I, I find interesting on these trips is because we, we have that delegation of between 100 and 200 folks, it, it's actually a great opportunity sitting next to one of your, your fellow business leaders from the San Antonio community on your flight out there or um, at dinner or at different events. You're going to get a chance for a few days to really interact and, and even create um, relationships that uh, will come home with you. They may not be directly part of the, the, the DC back to home, but it'll be mm -hmm. meeting other leaders inside your own community um, at a, a depth that you had not before, finding out that you have common interests about a certain things, and you can start to work and collaborate and continue those uh, uh, on uh, here once you're, you're back inside uh, the city that you're from. No, absolutely. And I will say, so I would not have met folks from the hospitality tourism industry if it wasn't for SADDC, right? Exactly yeah. to your point, you sit next to folks and most folks are on one plane together, which is pretty fun too, to have a whole San Antonio flight go up. 
uh, together is pretty powerful. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, as uh, election security wise, uh, I'll go ahead and we're getting ready to wrap up the program here. But if you wanted to learn about how we keep our elections safe in Bear County, um, check out our CyberTalk Radio archives at uh, www.cybertalkradio.com. I had on Jackie Cal Allen, who's the uh, Bear County Elections Commissioner, and uh, I went for an hour uh, grilling her about cybersecurity on the election safety, and uh, she. Uh, just walk through all of the great things that Bear County does to keep our, our data safe and our vote here uh, safe. So gets my uh, plus mark and a, a blessing, a check mark on uh, how we uh, protect our vote here in the, uh, the Bear County area. And um, in the state of Texas, we we do elections at a county by county level. There's 254 counties in the state of Texas, and uh, I think uh, it's a, a real uh, complex one. And uh, if we can figure it out here in Texas, every other state should be able to figure it out and, and uh, roll up trustworthy votes out to uh, the national elections that we hold. Uh, thank you very much, Amanda, for joining us on the program this week. Thank y'all for having me. Yeah. And uh, if you uh, just tuned in now, uh, you can catch this whole program up on our website on Tuesday, October the 8th, along with uh, all of the other past episodes of Cyber Talk Radio. From the dark web to your radio dial, you are listening to Cyber Talk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And this week, I'm joined uh, by a repeat visitor. And uh, Amanda, I will let you introduce yourself and share your updated title since the last time you joined us on the program. Hi, this is Amanda Keemer. I am the Vice President of Cybersecurity at the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce. And the, the last couple of times we've had Amanda on the program, it's been a, a different title. But this one now has been in place for almost a year? This particular title has been since end of june end of june in 2019 yes okay so just about six Fresh. months now okay yep and uh, hopefully this one sticks around for a while because i think the uh cybersecurity uh, committee we have here in the and cybersecurity san antonio as part of the chamber are both uh, important drivers to grow and uh, nurture our cybersecurity ecosystem and for those listening outside the san antonio area if you are serious about cybersecurity in your community uh, your chamber should organize something as well. Absolutely. Yeah. How many of the national chamber or like uh, chambers around the country have a cybersecurity group? So funny question, because you asked me this last year and I probably should have looked up the number and I did not, <laughs> but I do know we're pretty unique in having such a robust ecosystem that we get a number of calls from other communities, particularly with air force presence, yeah. um, how we stand up a council and program like ours, That's but there good. are a few, not enough, not enough. So, I mean, for neighboring cities in, in Texas here, if you drive down I-10 or I-35, do they have one? Uh, so Houston has the Houston Cyber Summit Conference, right? Yeah. Uh, organized by a gentleman named Umesh, who was just down here in August. Uh, Austin has a smaller cybersecurity council. Uh, also, I think organized not necessarily through the chamber or with the chamber in partnership with Capital Factory, I believe. Um, but there are also some offshoots coming out of Army Futures Command, how to bring people together in that way. Uh, but nothing yeah. quite like so ours. No, so not even an opportunity for you to collaborate with our neighbors yet because they don't not really yet. have a peer organization. So if you're you're listening mm -hmm. on 1200 WAI and you can hear us on your way uh, out of San Antonio back to Houston or up 35 to Austin, 
um, get involved in your chamber, ask them to get something going and organize because I think cybersecurity can be uh, something all over the state of Texas where we can make a, a big differentiating impact over the next 20 years. Yep, and I would say the chamber is probably the best place to start too because it cuts across different sectors. Uh, whereas if you just formed within an ISC squared or ISACA group, you're going to stay with the same group. Whereas with the chamber, you're forced to go to energy, transportation, water, uh, other hospitality, tourism sectors yeah. that you might not otherwise meet. No, I, yeah, totally. I think the, the chamber is the, the correct place to convene uh, this to really think about it from a long-term economic development and, and community growth perspective. And I mean, in San Antonio, we have an active um, ISSA chapter and mm -hmm. active ISACA, active um, CyberDev Dojo, just separate meetup. There's all sorts of mm -hmm. different cybersecurity groups going on here. Um, the great B-Sides that gets held every year. And if, if you're a new listener to the program, uh, you can check out www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, we've had folks on from a number of those different organizations if you wanted to learn more about all the acronyms Amanda and I are throwing at you. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we had you on the program a year ago. Uh, mm -hmm. to kick off the month of October. And we have you back now this year to kick off the month of October. Why would we do such a thing? <laughs> so Look at me just lob the softballs <laughs> up here this afternoon. <laughs> I will take them. I'll take them out the park. Uh, so October 1st is the beginning of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And so that is in its 16th year, I believe, started through the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, and it's actually grown. Now it's under CISA, the new agency, uh, cyber agency in the government, which is interesting. Uh, so the whole point is to increase awareness around cyber hygiene, uh, basic cybersecurity practices that can protect you as an individual, your household, your organization. Uh, nowadays, anywhere, right? We carry digital citizenship in our pocket. So yes. most of us. Uh, and so how do you protect it? And so the theme this year is actually own it secure it, protect it. Yeah. So one of the, the actual cyber hygiene things you should do now is likely go reserve your, your name, uh, and create an account. Even if you don't put all of your information in and you don't really need to give all these services, your accurate birthday either. Like, no, uh, no, just go and put a placeholder on all the different mainstream services out there where, you know, your friends and family are so that, um, someone else doesn't create that account under your name and try to trick your friends and family into giving you money via Western union or whatever else they might try to do. So, uh, for folks that want to learn about what's going on at the, the chamber mm -hmm. here during cybersecurity awareness month, what, uh, where should they go on the internet? So the best place to go would be www.sachamber.org forward slash cyber. And that is C-Y-B-E-R. C-Y-B-E-R. And so that's our landing page for our program. And so we're going to have a link on there to um, some of our events taking place around the city, uh, as well as to the National Cybersecurity Awareness Month webpage, which has the theme for 2019 activities, social media graphics, other things that you can use to learn about um, cyber awareness and cyber hygiene. That's good. Uh, and so with the, the Chamber's Cybersecurity Council and Cybersecurity San Antonio, how has um, that membership been over the last year that you've been really, I guess, driving the bus there under either the interim title or now as, as vice president? Yep. So it's grown exponentially, I would say, and not just in numbers, but I would say engagement. And so we have about 350 plus members of the council. Uh, monthly meetings it runs maybe 80 to 90 people a month now. Uh, we've had uh, our first elected stop by recently. We had Congressman Will Hurd 
uh, join our meeting and brief us on what he's up to, what he's looking at, what Congress is up to in D.C., how they're trying to push forward legislation and innovation. Uh, we've had other folks like the FBI, the NSA, um, present on what they're looking at, uh, emerging policy trends, just things for us to keep in mind. So think you would think that folks in cyber would understand what these agencies do, um, but that's not necessarily true. And then you can't assume that folks who have been in cyber in San Antonio for 5, 10, 20 years know each other either. And so it's really exciting to see that come to that group come together from startups to K-12 to higher ed, uh, workforce development folks, um, all in one place with your federal partners, mission partners in the military, uh, global partners now, folks looking to start and establish a presence in San Antonio or encourage companies here to establish a presence in their country. There's just a lot of collaboration going on. And so that energy in the room is always exciting. Yeah, and I think uh, cybersecurity is one of these clear uh, bipartisan issues. Uh, everyone wants uh, data to be safe and protected, deciding on what kind of data we're allowed to collect and, and store and who you can share it with and all. That gets a little divisive, but uh, no one, I think, in, in Washington goes, you know what, we just want everyone to be able to get hacked. Um, yeah, we're we're the party of letting American citizens be hacked. I don't see any any politicians taking that stand. They're looking at... Um, how do we do things to protect our critical infrastructure? How do we do things to protect our military resources? And then how do we protect all of our businesses here so that um, yes. they can be competitive uh, on the Internet and we can continue to see the productivity gains and um, improvements in quality of life that we've uh, been able to experience over the last 20 years thanks to the, the growth of a of an internet that's really been mostly safe? I think as we, we talk about cybersecurity, there's in out here in this Awareness Month, there's a, a list of basic things you can go do to stay safe online. Um, but if, if we go back to like when we talk about um, cybersecurity and the Internet and Internet banking and getting hacked from Internet banking. And then I go watch history movies about like the Wild West and bank robberies and everything else of actual physical banks. It doesn't feel like the the Internet frontier was ever as dangerous as the actual frontier. It's an interesting historical parallel to think about. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's been problems online. There were problems out in the Wild West. Um, but the Internet was, I don't think, ever actually as wild as the real Wild West. I don't know. I think that'd be an interesting topic for a future interview. That'd be a good panel discussion because I think it matters who is regulating the Internet, yeah. who has access. So when you have folks that still don't have access, I think that's kind of, in my opinion, still a little politicized. But... I think there's definitely benefit in having cybersecurity and IT policy be nonpartisan. So you have folks working together, you know, on both sides. And I think with the 2020 elections coming up, um, what's interesting is seeing the energy and collaboration and communication at the local and the state level. I think that's been one of the most exciting things about moving back from D.C. back home to San Antonio is San Antonio's kind of accepted and embraced in a way the federal government is not going to come save us. No. If something goes down, if a business is impacted, you know, there's no 911 that you can call, maybe yet, uh, for cyber help, right? So how do we protect each other? That's a whole new concept, and that's almost a cultural shift in itself uh, here. And so I think that's something exciting to witness um, as a community is saying, hey, you know, all the folks we just mentioned, like you said, businesses, uh, that perspective, if something happens, do we know who to call? Yeah. Uh, wherever, military, cities, states, small businesses, a mariachi group, as Dr. White likes to say from UTSA, 
Do they know who to call if something happens? And more often than not, big, small, doesn't matter, they don't. Uh, and so we're working on that. And I think that's exciting to see here. Um, and now it's just a matter of you know elevating that conversation to a national level and helping other areas, particularly rural areas around us too. Yeah, you're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and I'm joined by Amanda Kamer, the Vice President of Cybersecurity at the San Antonio Chamber um, and the Director of Cybersecurity San Antonio, which is a related program to that. And we'll uh, maybe get into a little bit more detail there. But uh, Amanda, I wanted to kind of continue the thought. You know, I've talked about it on the program uh, a number of times. If you are, are a business and your building catches fire, you dial 911, the fire department shows up and they put the fire out. If you business it gets hacked and you pick up the phone and dial 911 there there is not a cyber first responder yet available as a public policy service um, in any municipality i'm aware of and i think this is one of the things that made uh, the u.s really successful over the last few hundred years was in general we've got public policy that and public services that provided safety and stability for the economies um, whether it's police and fire and, and medical first responders so that you can run a business, you can be a citizen enjoying the, the city, and, and you have that public support there to uh, keep things safe and streamlined and efficient and take care of you. And on the Internet side of things, as more businesses moved online, um, while your local police department may have an investigative unit uh, that will investigate cyber crimes, um, they won't come in the same way and actually log into your IT systems and get the criminals out. If you have criminals that come into your business with guns and they um, are holding hostages, the police will show up with a SWAT team and a hostage rescue and everything else. But if the cyber criminals get into your computers and ransom and lock up and encrypt your data, the police don't have that same type of response right now on the, the cyber side in any community out there. And I think this is one, um, as we continue to grow and evolve as an economy, um, some city is going to be the first to act here and really add a cyber first responder capability into the, the services that they provide the citizens and the businesses uh, that they represent. Yep. And I think we see that. So I, I think what you see is folks taking care of each other, right? So this, that's the whole point, right? Police department, you pay taxes into this you know, department or this city service. Um, that protects you when you need it. Uh, but it's there when you don't, right? And it helps other people. I think what we're seeing at the federal level is this concept of a mutual aid group, a mutual aid program. So how can you know areas like San Antonio with all this expertise, with all this innovation, with all this technology, uh, a lot of different folks in the area, how do we channel that energy out and help folks at least become up to speed let alone advance, right? At least have a security assessment, at least know what's on their network um, or if something's in their network and get it out uh, without having to break the bank on that. You shouldn't have to go bankrupt because you didn't patch or you didn't know what was on your network. Um, I think having those conversations with small businesses and then figuring out um, maybe some kind of shared services concept, right? Like you see that at the federal government, but you don't see that necessarily at the local uh, group level yet or a local small business level and I think that's where we're trying to figure out with ISAOs um, is how do we stand up in ISAO to do that work so there are a lot of different ideas I think it comes down like everything to funding uh, sometimes political will too you have to have the support uh, visible support to get that done 
But luckily in San Antonio, being number two for cyber in the nation, you don't have to really pitch that to people. It's just figuring out how to how to channel that energy and those funding uh, mechanisms into the right uh, initiative. Amanda, can you, uh, as I just uh, talked about as we were wrapping that one up, uh, so the, the difference between the cybersecurity committee in the chamber and cybersecurity San Antonio. Help mm-hmm. explain those to the folks and then um, share a little bit more about Cybersecurity San Antonio, where where people can um, go to learn more. Yep. So the difference between the two is that there really is not a difference. <laughs> uh, within the Chamber of Commerce, you traditionally have, at least our, our chamber, has several councils. So you'll have a Transportation Council, um, Public Policy Council, you have a military affairs council, so groups of folks, and generally our job overall is to convene, connect, and brand that industry. Uh, same with cyber. The reason why we have cybersecurity San Antonio is because a few years ago there was this study done by Deloitte that said, hey, you're basically sitting on a gold mine of resources. How do you mine those resources? How do you leverage that uh, energy, that expertise? How do you get everybody on the same page? You really need one person dedicated to that work. And so that's what Cybersecurity San Antonio was born out of. And so that was previously Will Garrett and now myself. So there's only been two of us who have led the program. Um, And so as we're going into our fifth year, um, it's really grown, right? So now we have five core focus areas, uh, military government affairs, innovation, economic development, sustainability, talent and workforce development, uh, and global engagement. And then each of those groups has three or four co-chairs. And that's because I'm just a department of one. I need help. I need eyes and ears on the ground. Delegate and elevate. Exactly. And so I think it's worked, right? And even our meetings have expanded from 60 minutes to 90 minutes, which is wild. But that allows time for those federal partner briefings. That allows time for more in-depth strategic discussions. It's not just meeting to meet. It's meeting to strategize, to organize, to meet folks, to make business contacts, to see what's going on with economic development, the strategies that are going on in the city, uh, how we can work together uh, to get things done and to make sure people are on the same page. And so for me, it's exciting to see it be that one-stop shop for folks who are interested in cyber. Whether you're a student, you're an intern, uh, you're a small business owner, you're a startup, it's always reassuring to see that look in someone's eyes where they're like, oh, all those people are in one place. Yeah, they're all in one place. They're happy to meet with you. They're happy to network with you um, and make sure you stay here, invest here, and you grow here. Yeah, and you can go to cybersecuritysa.com uh, to learn more about the cybersecurity. You can sign up for the newsletter from that homepage mm-hmm. probably there as well, correct? Uh-huh. Forward slash news. Forward slash news. Well, that'll get, you, that'll get you all the archives. And so, yeah, Amanda and the, the team, and by the team, I really mean all those um, subcommittee chairs and everybody help uh, do a great job of, of getting uh, all the information out about uh, tons of stuff going on here. So, I mean, we could spend the whole rest of the program probably just talking about the stuff was in the most recent newsletter. So uh, go on the website there, cybersecuritysa.com forward slash news, and you can uh, check out all those newsletters to see. Uh, the things going on here in San Antonio. And if you're listening via iHeartRadio streaming out there across the internet, or if you're uh, checking this out on the uh, CyberTalk Radio podcast uh, streaming uh, after we've uh, been on the air, uh, and you're outside the San Antonio area, um, you can learn about what's going on in San Antonio, and you could also kind of see what we're doing here uh, in more detail to try to emulate that in 
in your city because, uh, I mean, I think cybersecurity is something that we need to stay focused on uh, across the entire country. And um, as we continue to grow and develop here in San Antonio, if we're not growing and developing in lots of other metros as well, um, as a nation, we're going to struggle to to fill our needs. Um, one I'll, I'll get on a, a quick note about is um, a program called Cyber Patriot for uh, parents or teachers or school administrators out there or anyone that uh, goes to school board meetings, uh, check out, uh, just go use your favorite search engine, search for Cyber Patriot. It's a team sport for middle school and high school kids, and they've, they've even got some stuff going down into elementary school now uh, to uh, help get uh, kids aware of cybersecurity um, to help them learn the competitive team sport things that uh, as parents we all want the kids to learn teamwork we want them to learn to compete and this uh, combines cybersecurity and that together into one um, in the San Antonio area the Cyber Texas Foundation will help you as a school um, or a school district uh, get a cyber patriot program rolled out if you don't have one and if and um, outside the San Antonio area uh, there's hopefully someone in your uh area that will help you uh, get a cyber patriot team set up at a minimum you can go um, to the cyber patriot national uh, program and and they'll um, be able to send someone to be that first um, get that first team going in your city Uh, but this is a a national competition um, with college scholarships and all sorts of things out there available for um, kids participating uh, in it so uh, please check that out i mean this is one um, it's a, a big opportunity, and we do a, a great job here in San Antonio. More teams than uh, any uh, other metro inside the whole U.S., and uh, hopefully we can continue to grow that because there's still a, a number of schools uh, that do not have Cyber Patriot teams, um, even in our San Antonio area, even as the, the number one uh, home of Cyber Patriot right now from a participation perspective. So, Amanda, um, is looking through some of our uh, highlights over this last year, um, San Antonio named top 10 global cyber hub mm-hmm. by who? By the CPO magazine. Okay. And so like C3PO magazine. No. So sorry, Star Wars. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> I'm not violating your trademark, hopefully. No. So that was a really big deal. So a few years back, we had a good to great to global report come out. And that was one of our objectives in that same vein each year now with the cybersecurity San Antonio program. We have three objectives for each uh, of our core focus areas. And so achieving top 10 global cyber hub is a pretty big deal for us to be listed on there with places like Tel Aviv and Israel, uh, New York City. So we're competing at that level. And that's the whole point of what we're doing here, our ecosystem working together. And so that was great to see. And I think to relate to that on a bigger note, I think a lot of folks don't know that the city of San Antonio has a global strategy, a global engagement strategy. And this is not limited to just to cyber. I think it overlaps with a lot of other industries that are targets for the city. Uh, And so those cities have been released. So these are areas where based on aerospace, cybersecurity, uh, biomed, health science, the city has this massive Excel sheet for each industry of seeing where we have uh, a match. And so those cities are listed Um, online um, in this report. It should be available online soon. But in general, the countries are Canada, Germany, Japan, Mexico, and South Korea, and Israel on there as an asterisk in our top five as number six because of cyber and our relationships there. And so moving forward, the city of San Antonio and SAEDF in collaboration with all of us 
as ecosystem partners are going to figure out tactical ways to engage with these areas, to engage with these metro areas, uh, to bring companies here, to send our companies there and start establishing trade relationships in that way. And so having a designation as a top 10 global cyber hub is huge uh, for us in those efforts. And so we also have a link to a report. So we'll make sure that's online and easy to find as well. So folks can see uh, the outcome from Brookings Institute and how we're going to help uh, lead those efforts. Yeah. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and we're going to uh, take a quick break for a news, traffic, and weather update here at the bottom of the hour. And the second half of the program, Amanda and I are going to dive into uh, some of the great things that have been accomplished uh, through the uh, chamber and the cybersecurity uh, council over the past year um, into each of those uh, five areas that she briefly mentioned here during the first half of the program. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit more about National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Uh, if you're not going to be able to stick with us, uh, check out staysafeonline.org slash NCSAM. Uh, and that should uh, get you to the National Cybersecurity Awareness uh, homepage. And from there, you can learn uh, all the things about staying safe uh, online yourselves. Uh, if you want to catch the recap of this program, it will go up on our website, uh, www.cybertalkradio.com, on Tuesday, October the 8th. It'll also go out there uh, across uh, all of the different podcasting services on the Internet. And if you have a favorite podcasting service where you do not find the CyberTalk radio program, or as uh, we, we just found out before the show today, if your favorite uh, podcasting service doesn't have the show title and the recap and the summary and the guest name, like it's not feeding into the, uh, the tech there properly, please let us know about this uh, on Twitter at CyberTalk Radio or Facebook on our CyberTalk Radio page. Uh, we will fix uh, that stuff on the, the podcasting services and uh, we will get you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt for letting us know. Uh, about the issues on your favorite podcast service so that we're getting um, all of this great content over the last three years uh, out to uh, all the different folks that uh, want to take a listen and with that we will be right back here after our bottom of the hour break on 1200 WAI. 